0: Hi, I'm Dr. Olga Pinkston, a board certified rheumatologist and the host of the Mind Your Fibro podcast. This podcast is dedicated to fibromyalgia. I discuss up-to-date information about fibro, its treatment, the biology and psychology of the fibromyalgia. I cover the pain science education, the complementary and alternative methods available to you now to improve your symptoms. There are a lot of things that influence development of fibromyalgia trigger fiber flares, and produce other symptoms like IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, depression, and anxiety, and none of them are your fault. In the Mind Your Fiber podcast, you will learn how and why fiber develops, how chronic pain changes your brain, and most importantly, that you're not alone in the struggle, that fiber is real, and how to not let fiber control your life. This podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. Well, welcome back to episode number 15. Today we're switching gears a little and I'm doing a special topic per request of my clinic's partner, Dr. Charles Moore, who asked me to discuss how fibromyalgia affects men. He estimates that he diagnoses about one man with fibro on average per week. Of course, all rheumatologists diagnose fibro. I still remember my first male patient with rheumatology when I was doing my rheumatology training at the Mayo Clinic, and he had some of the most severe symptoms of rheumatology I've ever seen. Years before, this man had a terrible accident and later developed fibro that with time progressed and was quite disabling. His symptoms were not recognized because he was a man, and he was left undiagnosed for years. It was disheartening to see this grown man cry in my office. Although fibromyalgia affects small women, about 10% of fibromyalgia patients are men. I think it is underreported and underdiagnosed. Per one study, 20 times more men appeared to have fibromyalgia symptoms based on their survey response than had been diagnosed, while 3 times more women reported fibromyalgia symptoms than they were diagnosed. I think there are many reasons for such difference. Some conditions are more common in females, not only for myalgia, but migraines, IBS, thyroid and autoimmune conditions, for example. Women also have a lower pain threshold and resilience to stressors. Hormones play a role, as well as the general nervous system makeup. But also, there are other reasons for such difference. According to one study by the Cleveland Clinic, close to 60% of men don't regularly see a doctor, going only when they are seriously ill. I've been told by many male patients' wives who said to me that they had to drag their husband to see a doctor. I also worked at the VA, or Veterans Affairs Emergency Department, for years. And I can tell you some stories. When men are tough, but veterans tougher, and they still don't want to see doctors. The survey also found that only 3 in 5 men get annual physicals. And nearly half of the 500 men surveyed said their health is simply something they don't talk about. Only 7% reported talking about their health, meaning the other 93% do not. Also, 72% of men said they would rather be doing household chores, like cleaning toilets, than going to the doctor. 65% of responders said they avoid going to the doctor as long as possible. 20% admitted they aren't always honest with the doctors about their health. So, no wonder women live longer, men live more years of bad health, and have higher suicide rate. So, in the past, pharmacology diagnosis required tender point count, where doctors would check 18 specific spots on the person's body to see how many of them were painful when pressed firmly. At least 11 of these 18 points had to test positive for tenderness to diagnose someone with fibromyalgia officially. Though the criteria change in tender points alone are no longer used to diagnose fibromyalgia. women in general tend to have more tender points than men. So if your doctor is still checking for tender points for the diagnosis, your fibromyalgia may be missed. Also, some studies show that men have less pain all over. Again, a common way doctors describe a diagnosed fibro. So, you may have fibromyalgia without pain all over and with no tender points on exam. Our general societal belief is that a man needs to seem strong and tough it out. Men may feel they are not supposed to complain about pain. They have to be stoic, which may delay or prevent a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. So, here's the dilemma in diagnosing men with fibro. If men don't talk about their health and symptoms, if they don't go see their doctor, and when they finally get to see one, they don't want to talk about their pain or symptoms, and they're also not tender on exam and don't have pain all over, they're likely not to be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Also, it is often assumed that fiber is girl-only disease, so many doctors don't even consider it when men talk about their pain. So listen up, men or probably women who are more likely to listen to podcasts and see doctors. So please listen and tell the men in your lives. Fibro is real. Male fiber is real. There is no doubt. I often tell my patients, if the United States military, the VA, gives out disability benefits based on the diagnosis of fibromyalgia, it has to be real, right? So no doubt it is real, and men can have this diagnosis. So, we're going to cover how fibromyalgia symptoms differ in men and women. Then, we're going to discuss the impact of fibro on men's lives, relationships, and interactions with their healthcare providers. So, what are the risk factors of developing fibro in men? Actually, aside from gender, very similar risk factors to women, with the major being chronic pain due to any other condition, like chronic back pain or headaches. A close relative with fibromyalgia like your sister or mother, for example. Sleep issues. Now, this is a big one. Sleep apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea is far more common in males than females, and it is a common fiber trigger. Actually, sleep apnea triggers fibromyalgia more commonly in men than women. Other risk factors are chronic or persistent stress, history of trauma, injury, PTSD, and obesity. Here is a scenario I've seen in my practice in several patients. A male patient in his 40s or 50s, with years of preceding stress, often overweight, caretaker, father, and a workaholic. He had a trauma such as a work accident, car accident, medical complication or painful procedure, or stressful event of some sort like a divorce or loss of a child or spouse. Injury often needed hospitalization or surgery, followed by a lengthy rehabilitation, loss of function, or maybe even a loss of employment. Anxiety and depression often either preceded the triggering event or developed later. Sleep is disturbed. So the initial injury or surgery healed, but the pain persisted, and over time, evolved to more widespread, persistent pain that may come and go, have a good and a bad day pattern initially, but later likely to progress to more constant pain by the time it is diagnosed. Men tell me they have bad and worse days, almost never good days. I often hear men tell me they have an explanation for everything, of course. I'm in pain. I had an injury, surgery, trauma. Of course I'm in pain. I can't do anything about it. I'm stiff because I don't move. I gain weight because I stress eat or eat out of boredom. I don't go anywhere, and I can't exercise because of pain. Now I'm depressed because I can't work. I have anxiety because I can't support my family. I worry too much or have sleep apnea so I don't sleep well, so I'm too tired to think clearly. And this runaround, mental work of explaining symptoms in our head, not telling the family or doctors that that the hurt may go on for years. At work, they also don't complain, because they look fine. They look like nothing is wrong. They have to be strong, expected to perform. At home, they don't want their wives or, or children to worry. But underneath of all of this are often feelings of shame, embarrassment, and unworthiness that may drive the lack of diagnosis and treatment. Now, keep in mind, there are fewer studies about men with fibromyalgia. But in general, symptom-wise, men have fewer symptoms than women, yet they are more impactful. They tend to feel less exhausted and have less in fewer places. It is much less common for men to hurt all over, although some studies dispute that. They still have pain, but may or may not be all over. They may or may not have the tender points like women, but I had men in my clinic that felt tender when I touched them d- during their exam. Men have a higher pain threshold. As with women, the longer they had had fibro, the more pain internists they usually have. Men do not have IBS or irritable bowel syndrome as often. They may or may not have it, but women almost universally have bowel issues. Often, though, they can dismiss upset stomach, bloating, or constipation to something they've eaten. But in general, I see IBS more often with women. In one study, the top symptoms reported by men with fibromyalgia were our 97% depression, followed by 76.9% widespread pain in tender points, and tiredness and sleep disturbances in 75%. Many complain of the effect of fibro on their mood, especially anger issues and increased irritability. It is understandable. When women have depression, they feel and act more sad, and are likely to appear sad or express sadness. Men, on the other hand, may be more angry, irritable, and aggressive when they have depression. They may be suppressing their feelings more, cry less, but deep inside they may feel sad and depressed. They may appear quieter, more reserved, laugh less. Feeling tired or exhausted and fibro fog or the inability to concentrate are common. A salesperson who did numbers in his head now has to use a calculator to just add simple digits. Another patient quit his job because he could not remember procedures he used for years and felt embarrassed. Overall, men with fibromyalgia report more severe symptoms than women with decreased physical function and lower quality of life. I suspect it is likely due to delay in the diagnosis and treatment. The longer men put off seeing the doctor, the more they put themselves at risk of developing worsening symptoms and complications that can affect their work, hobbies, and relationships. And it is not just fibro, but other chronic diseases as well, like diabetes or high blood pressure. So, we talked about the triggers, the symptoms, and the diagnosis. Now, let's talk about the impact of fibro on the quality of life. I see in my clinic what I also read in the literature. Men's identity is more tied to their ability to work than women's. Women tend to wear many different hats and identities. Men often find self-worth or value by their job. Fibro pain can interfere with job performance. People aren't nearly as sympathetic towards the men with pharmacology at work. Men told me that their job often requires them to suck it up and deal with the pain. Or they have to work regardless of how they feel. They are the breadwinner. So not seeing a doctor or being treated provided the illusion that everything is okay and they can continue to work. They don't look sick, so it's not real. Many of my patients tell me both women and men That their families, co-workers, or friends don't believe that fiber is real or ask them to shake it off, get over with it. How long can you feel this way? So men would often feel not being respected by co-workers, family, and healthcare providers due to the questioning of their pain. They shut down, withdraw, and that can also lead to the delay in diagnosis. It also builds up resentment and leads to more irritability and anger. Also, chronic pain wears you out, both physically and emotionally. In my clinic, many men with fibro accept that they would never recover. They give up. They tell me I'm broken, or they have a can't-be-fixed mentality. It's almost like there are only two possibilities. Denial, living like everything is okay, versus it's all over. Nothing can be done, so why bother? Often I see that patients' self-reflection changed due to pain. They don't see themselves as before. They're not as productive. They don't provide as before to their families or participate or advance in their careers. Again, often there are feelings of shame, embarrassment, and unworthiness that drive the lack of seeking help and treatment, which is so far from the truth. You are worthy to feel better, and there are many treatment options that can help. You are not broken. You have never been broken or damaged. You need to heal your nervous system. Take care of yourself. So, what can we do to help men with fibro? I would say number one, set up a relationship with your doctor. Let your primary care get to know you. Speak up about your symptoms. Don't downplay them. Don't explain your symptoms or justify them. Yes, you may have an old pain from an injury and also have fibro. Yes, you have sleep apnea and being overweight may cause you exhaustion, but your sleep apnea can also be the condition that trigger development of fibro. Irritability and anger at work could be the symptom of burnout or depression. Left untreated, it will worsen the fibro symptoms and will lower your quality of life. Also be aware of addictions. Numbing physical pain and emotional distress with drugs and alcohol are so common. If you struggle with addiction, it may be due to self-medication of chronic pain, including fibro pain. Addiction is a symptom of pain, physical or psychological. It is only glamorous in Hollywood. I want you to take a pause and think. Just simple awareness that fiber exists can be the first step towards its diagnosis. Knowing that you're not alone, that many, many other men struggle just like you. Knowing that you're not broken and so worthy to feel better. Other things you can do. Look at your nutrition and vitamin levels. Many of my fibro patients have also underlying nutritional deficiencies, even while being obese and malnourished. Many consume too many comfort foods because they feel sluggish and need for comfort. Many are very low on vitamin D, with vitamin D deficiency symptoms contributing to body pain and tiredness. Also, many men and women drink a lot of soft drinks, often with caffeine with hopes to be more alert but not only it contributes to obesity poor sleep but also poor absorption of nutrients and vitamins also treating depression anxiety and ptsd are extremely important mental health affects physical health your body and mind are connected working with a psychologist with therapist addressing the issues not only of depression but low self-esteem relationships may be scary at first but so worth it There are many male therapists available to help. Many specialize in trauma, relationships, addictions, sexual difficulties, and chronic pain. Also, consider working with a life coach. Life coaching is a goal-oriented and future-oriented. Look for a well-trained coach, for example, certified by the Life Coach School. Life coaching can help with weight loss, eating habits, processing emotions, goal settings, etc. It can be a start if you're afraid to start working with a therapist, but it does not replace therapy. If you were diagnosed with fibro, it means that likely you had several years, if not a decade, of suffering, and you need a team to get you up. You need all the help that you could get. What got you here will not get you there, where you want to go. You cannot continue doing the same thing and expect different results. I often give my male patients an analogy that most can relate. Care for your health as you care for your car. Think of yourself as one expensive vehicle, whatever brand you like, Mercedes or Jeep, Corvette or Lamborghini, whatever your dream car is. Men tend to care for the cars better than their health. They wash it, polish the hood, check the oil and the tire pressure, get the tune-up done, and whatever repairs. They know if the car is making a noise, they better check it out. The delay may cause a transmission problem or an expensive engine repair. They will never drive a car with a nail in a tire. Well, they will not get far with it. The point is, logically men know that the car will last longer if they care for it, prophylactically doing routine maintenance and fixing problems as quickly as they come up. They don't wait until the check engine light is on or the engine doesn't start or the oil isn't empty to start caring for the car. So why don't you start thinking of your health from the same perspective? The same thing applies to your health. Go for a physical. Tell your mechanics, doctors, your symptoms. Don't pretend everything is well. The sooner you find and correct the problem, the better outcome will be. And you will likely save some money. Drink water. Eat better. Just like in a car, quality oil helps the engine running. Quality food will keep you going. Oh, and listen to the women or other significant people in your life sooner, like starting today. They love and care for you. They may be nagging because they mean well and they want to see you feeling better. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best thing you can do is to share with someone and leave a review and rating. This helps me support more people just like you move toward better life with fibromyalgia. All you have to do is to go to the platform you're listening on, click the share button or the icon, and just send it to a friend. I so appreciate you taking your time to do so. Make sure you sign up or subscribe to this podcast so you can get the most up-to-date information, in the new episodes. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. And don't forget to mind your fibro. Disclaimer, this podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. None of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any medical or mental condition.